today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Try to not go on it for five minutes and see how you do. <laughs> how about five hours? Five days? No, no, there's no way. Oh, really? Oh, we're really clever when it comes to this. So spiritual. No, I got my Bible on it. Got my prayer list on it too. Okay, fine. Whatever floats your boat, that's fine. But really? Again, nothing wrong with having it. It's not what you have, it's what has you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. What's the longest you've gone without your phone? And that one time you lost your phone doesn't count. If you're like most smartphone users, you're hooked. But as Pastor J.D. points out in today's lesson, even your phone can come between you and God. If something has you, it's time to turn its power over to the Lord. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 44 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The God I serve is the creator who created me and formed me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's another one too. I'm sorry, I got to go here. Just bear with me. Just indulge me. For the life of me, I cannot come up with any explanation other than it's just a spiritual blindness. Maybe it's the grace of God. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out how any surgeon or physician is not a Christian. You're telling me that that thyroid, by the way, do you know how important your thyroid is? You know where your thyroid is? It's right in here. Kind of a small little organ, internal organ. I learned a little bit about the thyroid and how much I needed it. (laughs) It does everything, and it's perfectly positioned in your body to regulate everything. And it's just one part of your body. Go throughout your entire body, and all of those internal organs are perfectly created, and they function in concert one with the other. This is a, I guess, a appropriate time to talk about our incredible immune system. Well, thank you for laughing a little bit anyway. I'm learning a lot about the immune system, as probably some of you are through all of this. I mean, you know that expression, you learn something new every day? I learned something new today I did not know about the immune system. And when, I, when I'm listening to this explanation, which was really dumbed down for people like me in layman's terms, just real simple explanation about how your God-given immune system fights off disease and viruses and infections and poisons and toxins in your body. Oh, these guys. Oh, that immune system. And God made that. It's perfect. So something is uh, 
foreign comes into your body, they send out a mass email to all of the antibodies on that email list. And they're like, game on! Game on! Intruder! Intruder! Danger! Danger! And they all get together. Oh, I would not want to be an infection up against this immune system. That immune system comes in and it just kind of like, zappo! I'm like, wow, thank you God, that's amazing. And God made that immune system. What, what were you worried about again? What are you afraid of again? You have nothing to fear. Yeah, life hits, right? I mean, I I could take the rest of the night into the wee hours of the morning. I won't. And I can share with you time after time when, I mean, the bottom fell out. And I know you have your experiences too when you just thought, this is how it ends. (laughs) It's game over. I'm not making it out of this one. This is really bad. And innate within us is this propensity to fear and become afraid. And and by the way, can I, this is another thing I learned about the immune system. This is very interesting. Did you know that fear destroys your immune system? So have a nice evening. I just thought I'd add that to your list of things that, I mean, when I say destroy your immune system, that's almost an understatement. Because see, your body now is in that flight or fight mode, and it's using up all of its God-given energy to fight what the fear is doing. You know, they've done studies on worry and fear. Uh, It destroys your circulatory system, your cardiovascular system, your nervous system. It destroys your teeth. (laughs) You should see how many cavities I have. It also doesn't help with hair loss, and I'm proof of that too. The digestive system, many of the diseases in the digestive system are caused as a direct result of worry and fear and anxiety. So you know in Philippians 4 when the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit says, worry about nothing, thank God for anything and pray for everything, or all the times replete throughout Scripture. How about in Matthew 6 when Jesus in that famous Sermon on the Mount, as we affectionately refer to it, says, do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. Your heavenly Father is going to feed you. He takes care of the birds. How much more valuable are you? He clothes those flowers that are here today, gone tomorrow. How much more is He going to clothe you? Why are you so worried running around like the unbelievers who have no father who loves them and cares for them and provides for them. Why are you? It's not, again, like God saying, don't be afraid because I'm God and I said so. No, don't be afraid because I love you so much and I can't stand to see what fear and worry and anxiety are going to do to you. How about you as a parent or a grandparent? 
When your child is suffering, how are you with that? How much more our Heavenly Father? It's been said that you're only as happy as your saddest child. Man, if your children aren't doing well, you're not doing well. If your child is hurting, you're hurting. And you can't stand to see your children in pain. How much more our Heavenly Father? Do not fear, nor be afraid. I've got you. I've got you. I've got this. I, I know how this ends. I'm going to see you through to the end. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. There's nothing too hard for me. I'm the only one who can do this. Look at, look at my resume. Look at my track record. Have I ever failed you? Can you think of one time? This is not rhetorical. Can you think of one time when God forsook you or abandoned you or failed you? Not one time. How about all those times when you weren't even expecting God to do what He did? And what did God do? Oh, He did exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could have ever thought or imagined. How many times have you found yourself just thanking God, going, God, you're too much. Wow, God, I mean, you just poured the grace on, overflowing. I am so unworthy as a recipient of such love. I mean, I didn't pray much last week. I didn't get into the Word much last week. I didn't even go to church last week. And yet, Look at how much you blessed me. Aren't you glad that our relationship with God is not predicated upon our performance or what we do or what we don't do? Do not be afraid. Well, it's going to get interesting here, beginning in verse 9 through to about verse 20. Sort of turn a corner. Those who make an image, all of them are useless. And their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who, verse 10, would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed, and the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up, yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. Now, it's interesting that God would inspire Isaiah by the Holy Spirit to write this, because what we're going to see in this is this stark, and I mean stark contrast, between God, the true and living God, and these man-made gods. And so now from verse 9 through to verse 20, we have this detailed description, actually painful description, if I can say it like that, of the folly, the utter folly of those who make and worship idols. Verse 12, the blacksmith with the tongs works one in the coals, 
fashions it with hammers, and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry, (laughs) and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. You know you're in trouble when you're worn out trying to make your God. Right there, that should be a clue. That's what's happening here. We've only got to verse 13. The craftsman stretches out his rule. He marks one out with chalk. He fashions it with a plane. He marks it out with a compass and makes it like the figure of a man, according to the beauty of a man, that it may remain in the house. Oh, oh, I see. Uh, you're making God in your image as man, instead of worshiping the God who made you in His image as God. It's backwards. Are we surprised? It's evil, which is live backwards. You ever thought about that? L-I-V-E, E-V-I-L. I'll just leave that one with you for now. Verse 14, we're not done yet. We've got a lot more work to do making our God. So he cuts down cedars for himself and takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it. That's a problem right there when you've got to secure your God. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. Then, verse 15, it shall be for a man to burn. Wow. You're going to burn your God? Yeah, because it's cold. I need warmth. For he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a God and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half, he eats meat. I'm sorry I'm laughing. I mean, it is comical. He roasts a roast (laughs) and is satisfied. God is clearly having some fun with this through the prophet Isaiah. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And verse 17, the rest of it he makes into a God. In other words, with the leftovers. Hey, I think I've got some left over. I think I'll make a God. His carved image. And he falls down before it and worships it, prays to it, and says, deliver me, for you are my God. Give me just a moment here. I'm trying to. You can't unsee that. He has some leftover wood after he used it to burn it, to warm himself and feed himself. He's got some leftover, so he's going to make a God. So now he's warm, now he's fed, now he's got a God. And he's like, you are my God. You're going to deliver me to this block of wood, whatever it looks like, whatever he made it into to look like. That's your God? Dude, you got big problems if that's your God. Verse 18, they do not know 
nor understand, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so they cannot understand. And verse 19, no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge, nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I have also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. And he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, and I want you to listen very carefully to this, is there not a lie in my right hand? Now, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you're going to be quick to, as I just did, setting a very poor example, just laugh at someone who would do this. As if to say, I would never do that. Oh? Yeah, because, I mean, come on. This guy is holding his God in his right hand. That's what it's saying. Come on, I would never hold my God in, that I made, in my right hand. Okay. No, don't, don't look at me like that. No, it's, it's okay to have one of these, but don't let one of these have you. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it in my right hand. I mean, I'm, because I have to use my right hand on my phone, God, to download apps, check email and messages and Post on social media. And is it not true? And I, hey, listen, I'm just as convicted as you, so deal with it. <laughs> we'll get through this by the grace of God. But how often do you check this? You know, there's actually a neurological explanation for it. It's called dopamine, it's a dopamine release. It's that God-given feel-good chemical that squirts into the dopamine receptors in the brain that gives you that good feeling. Like when somebody likes one of your posts. Woo, dopamine, dopamine. And then you, yeah, no, oh, you know what I'm talking about. And we get addicted to that. It's got a hold on me. I think I'm holding this in my right hand. No, this thing that I hold in my right hand has got a hold on me. Oh man, I I buy nice covers for it. Mine's not all that nice, but it's only like $19, I think, for my cover. What does your cover look like? (laughs) All fancy Nancy, probably. We buy nice covers for it. We download expensive apps on it. And we rely on it for everything. I'm so convicted right now. I think I want to move on, but I don't know that I have permission to. Think about it. How much of a hold does this 
little man-made God have on us. They've done studies on this, by the way. Try to not go on it for five minutes and see how you do. <laughs> how about five hours? Five days? No, no, there's no way. Oh, really? Oh, we're really clever when it comes to this. So spiritual. No, I got my Bible on it. It's got my prayer list on it too. Okay, fine. Whatever floats your boat, that's fine. But really? Again, nothing wrong with having it. It's not what you have, it's what has you. This goes for the cars we drive, you know. It's okay to have. <laughs> i got to share with you a humorous story. Do I have time? Not really, but oh well. Years ago, many, long time ago in a land far, far away, when I used to work for Mercedes-Benz, and I drove one. Oh, nice car. It was not my car. I could not afford In fact, I couldn't afford the tax and the licensing on the thing, but it was a company car, so I drove it to church one day with my wife in the passenger seat. And as we're getting ready to leave, up walks this guy, taps on the window on my wife's side. Now, that's not cool. So I, I roll the window down, electric window, <laughs> this much. And he says, brother, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I'm like, what'd you do? What for? He says, you know, I judged you. I coveted. I envied. And I said to myself, you cannot be a Christian and drive a car that nice. You cannot be a Christian and and have a Mercedes-Benz. I'm like, dude, if you only knew, if you only knew, I couldn't afford, in fact, I could probably barely afford to put gas in the thing. Thank God the company puts the gas in it for me. It's not my car. And as he left, you know, ashamed and embarrassed and mortified, and I thought to myself, isn't that interesting? how we make those judgments based on outward appearance. James had something to say about that, didn't he? Somebody walks into your assembly, your church, I mean, bling, gold rings, I mean, they pull up in a brand new Mercedes Benz. They walk in, you're like, hey, brother, come on in. Have a seat, here, can I get you anything? Oh, I see how it is. And here's another guy pulling up in a 2011 Hyundai Sonata that's on its third engine. <laughs> and you're like, hey, can you park over there? Can you sit in the overflow? You know, they've done studies on this too. True story. One more, and then I'm... Yeah, I better not promise that. So, true story. Years ago, on the mainland, they took a guy, young guy, and they dressed him up in jeans that had tears in them and just a white, sort of dirty t-shirt. Walks into a Cadillac dealership. Nobody gives him the time of day. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospel's mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah right here on In Spirit and Truth. 